Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle, the show that explores how to coach for success in both sport and business. Simon is owner and founder of Five Degrees and is a customer experience coach specializing in sales and customer service for contact centers. Emma is a performance coach, mentor and speaker with more than 20 years experience in coach education, both in Australia and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle here with uh, a fantastic person, um, someone who I actually um, looked to him as inspiration even though I hadn't met him and I love that about role models. So I'm of course talking about Alistair McCaw who is a performance coach and specialist, um, especially works with many players on the tour um, and through beginners and I love that as well, um, in the in, especially in the physical conditioning side and the, and the mindset side of things. So thanks so much for being on the show. The first question is the Vegemite question. You either love it or you, you dislike it. What's your take? Uh, well, coming from South Africa, we have Marmite, yes. which is similar to Vegemite, and yeah. no, didn't like it. Didn't like it, more, didn't like more, it. More of a Nutella guy. Nutella guy, yeah. Nutella guy. So in which case, um, could you share with us either just um, either your worst coaching moment or your best coaching moment? Um, either one of those two, does, does something come into mind that you could share with us? Uh, you don't mess around, do you? Right, oh, right off the bat, a good question. <laughs> um, I would probably let let's start with my worst coaching moment was um, back probably ten years ago working with a federation where um, I gave some bad uh, advice nutritional advice it was and the player ended up very ill on the court it was in a in an, an important match oh goodness and uh, it just taught me. Um, and definitely try things before yes. matches and, and, and make sure it suits the, the athlete's stomach because, for example, a certain drink or a certain food can suit one person, but yeah. it might not suit the other. So yeah. that was that was a mistake. Yeah, and uh, a great lesson. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. then probably my, oh, my finest coaching moment, um, this is going to sound funny, but it, it, it's moments. It's when I receive a thank you note or appreciation from an athlete regardless of what age. Uh, I don't think uh, athletes, players, parents realize how much uh, that means to a coach. Mm-hmm. That is that is for me the most gratifying and humbling thing is to get a, a handwritten note from a call yeah. it old fashioned if you want. Yes. Uh, maybe today we get texts yes. And, yes. And, and WhatsApp messages, but yes. uh, getting a handwritten yeah. note to say uh, thanks yeah. coach. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the next question is the sliding doors question. You know, when you think your life's going one way and all of a sudden you've, you know, you've got something happens or someone happens and you've got to turn left instead of right. We have many throughout our coaching career. Um, is there one that jumps out that, you know, that throughout your life that you, you could share with us? Um, I think, you know, in, in life, and I've been brought up, brought up this through my mom, is that, is that everything happens for a reason. We've got to embrace adversity. And what we might not think is, is the right plan, you know, life teaches us that it, it was the right direction. Um, I don't think there's any, any certain defining moment because, mm. because like you, I've been coaching even since my teenage years. Yeah. So it's always something I knew I wanted to do. But, um, you know, if I, if I can give some advice to, to coaches and the people out there, it's, it's um, you know, you, you've got to just, you, you've got to be able to take risks. You've got to be, be embracing failure because to get anywhere, you're going to fail mm. and you're going to make mistakes. Mm. And, uh, you know, as long as you learn from those, those, those are the things that, mm. that move you forward. So, mm. um, you know, I'm failing every day, Emma. Uh, yeah. I'm making mistakes and, and, and I've learned how to accept that and, and yep. it, it just grows you. 
Yeah, yeah, and there's always an, a, a gift in failure, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Uh, understanding uh, the player. Um, energy, a good energy, and trust. Yeah, awesome. Hi Emma, how are you? Great, thank you Simon. Uh, that was a pretty uh, big interview in terms of the themes that, yes. that uh, he touched on. And our first South African on yes. the show. Yes. Which is great. Yes. And he and he kicked it off straight away with uh with a real, you know, honest moment of uh, his worst coaching moment where, you know, he actually gave some nutritional advice that didn't work out for the player during a tournament. I, I, I would love to know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what it, would, it actually yeah, was, I should have and, asked and how that manifested itself. Yeah, but but either way, you know, I love that he straight away says, "Okay, lesson is, you know, what works for one player might not work for another," mm. and the importance of trying things, you know, away from the tournament first. Um, you know, this this is why we do role play, in, you know, in the business world, and um, and for me, again, that that message that everybody is different. And the way the body responds, uh, not just to actual, you know, physically food intake or, or water intake or, or a certain type of drink, um, but to language for me. So I can say one thing to one player and the way they're going to take that is going to be completely different to another player. Oh, so, for yes. example, um, if I could share you, with you a story when I was on the road um, representing Australia, Junior Fed Cup, and, uh, you know, I've only ever come across two plays in my life where I really had to say to them, you need to step up and win for Australia here today. It's really important that you win. And we, fo- and we you know, so literally I'm, I'm telling them. Do that, it for Australia. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually talk about winning, talk about the result, talk about the outcome. And they would go, they would step up and win. They would focus on, okay, I, you know, today, if I said to those same two girls, no pressure today. Go out there, play one point at a time. Just go for it. Nothing to lose. Um, everything to gain. And uh, you know, just focus on the process. And let's really talk through the game plan. Chances are they would be almost too much in a relaxed state. Yeah. Now, ninety-eight percent of everyone else I've worked with, of course, is the opposite. The minute I talk about, you know, results or outcome, that's it's too much. And uh, staying with the process of the strategy, the game plan, and then the individual tactics that make up the strategy uh, is is so much more powerful as a coach. In my experience, when we're talking about the highest level, you know, at this at the elite level, even you know, for a junior, junior mindset, and then the pressures that come along, you know, with that. Um, so, you know, I I learned that the hard way. I certainly, you know, didn't always get it right. And, you know, if you say the, the wrong thing at the wrong time, especially right before, you know, working with, with young girls, right before they go onto the court, if you get that wrong, it's, it's, it's especially, you know, it can be the difference between a win and a loss. And, you know, when you are representing your country, these things are important. You, you are judged by your results as well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, for me that, that was, you know, I certainly haven't always got, got that right. And, uh, learning over time to know which message to deliver to which player, Mm. uh, has been a a real learning curve. So what about you? I'm just feeling awkward, Emma. Just there's, as you're talking, I'm just something that's sprung up in my head an experience I had about two years ago now with a major client where I was rolling out, um, Basically, all staff within the organisation, uh, about 150 staff, were put through my five degrees customer service training to very diverse job roles, frontline staff, security guards, through to everyone in that organisation. And, uh, I, you know, as and through repetition, you know, you're performing. This is a single day classroom training session for all staff across six weeks to roll it out. And so you get in the routine of I've got this, you know, how the structure of the session goes, the role play scenarios where you're getting people out of their comfort zones in front of their peers, having to demonstrate new behaviours to start to form new habits. And you've pushed them a bit and uh, encouraged them. And and, it was a great training, but there was one lady who was inherently uncomfortable, which in its own right, that happens a lot. Yes. Uncomfortable with just the very nature of role plays. Yes. Gripped by fear. Me, with all of my passion and energy and, uh, you know, you can do better and I'm going to put take you, you know, the cockiness that comes from success. Yes. And I just pushed too hard. Too hard. Yes. And yes. there was a moment where she cracked in yes. terms of emotionally. Yes. And there were tears. Yes. And wow, just mm. ripped me mm. into a whole different space mm. because I care. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. If I didn't care, I would have, you know, mm. Mm. kept going and whatever. Mm. Mm. So w- She's one out of 150. Yes. So what was the lesson in that for you? Uh, don't make assumptions. Yes. Do some checks yes. up front around their state of mind yes. and their propensity to be how far. Yes. Uh, and that's tricky. It is. But I have to put the effort in to, mm. to do that. And subsequently, I did. It was a great learning experience to, because at the end of the day, it's a learning environment and need people to be comfortable. And so because what happened for her is the rest of the learning, it was she, was, she shut down. Because of the emotional impact, but you know, I had a chat with her afterwards and um, apologized straight up, apologized uh, for just going a bit too hard and um, and yeah, mm. it was that was that was good and it was genuine and, mm-hmm. and, and and heartfelt and there were there were reasons for it, for how yes. how she was feeling, which are things you know I had no no insight around or knowledge around, but that was my yes, fault. Yes. Um, but subsequently with, with one-on-one coaching sort of become now uh, and has it became a, a great um, means of connecting with her actually mm-hmm, from, mm-hmm. from that experience yeah. and uh, the, the benefit that she gave me. Mm-hmm. So the validation I was able to give her yes. was the learning I was able to obtain Tain. from that experience. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, not, not, a, not a pleasant thing to go through so no no so we remember those ones too don't we absolutely yes um i would like to now just pick up on appreciation so he talks about 
you know, there's the, the little moments um, and the importance of a handwritten note of appreciation, you know, call it old-fashioned, call it old school. Um, but somebody taking the time to write a handwritten thank you. Mm. Thank you, coach. Because it is the time investment that people get yeah. around handwritten notes, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. The act of – the fact they bothered. Yes. The thought processes that would have gone into actually putting – but get it, finding paper, yes. finding pens, yes. and bothering to do it. Let alone mailing it. Like, Let alone yeah, mailing it. Yeah, um, You know, and for me, it reminded me of, of something that's that happened really recently. And uh, I was working with a player in, in um, during the, actually, Tennis Congress uh, in Arizona. And um, this player asked for some feedback on her serve. And she serves, um, and she, she turns to me and she goes, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. She goes, you're going to tell me that I've got a hitch on my surf. And in my head, that's, yeah, of course. I could see that, that her racket stopped, you know, which means a hitch just means stop near her, her back leg. Um, it, you know, the racket almost paused and then, it, and then it continued on the surf section. I looked at her and I, I just said, no, I wasn't going to say that at all. I was going to say, I want you to spread your wings and fly. <laughs> and and I'm I'm telling you Simon it was a moment it was a moment in time and she well I mean of course I didn't know that in that moment right so we worked through what I meant you know and explored actually spreading her wings as physically versus, actually yeah, opening up yeah exactly so yep. knuckles up so for me it was like yeah I want you know I'm not, I'm not going to tell you don't do the hitch or, you know, that you have a hitch. Mm. You know, she's well aware of that. So I tried to really embed a powerful, positive mm. uh, physiological response as well as that, that, that the wording of actually, no, relax your grip tension and I want you, you know, we, a couple of things we did, we took the pinky off the racket and we just let the arms come up into the, into the trophy position. Um, so you don't stop so, the hitch so you don't stop the hitch by focusing on stopping the hitch. Correct. You fix it by focusing on doing something Spread your wings. differently. Right, right. And in doing that, so what actually transpired was that she went to the organiser of the, of the, of the Congress um, a couple of days later and uh, said to him what an impact that one statement had made um, because she had realised that she had been stuck in a number of areas of her life. So it wasn't about the surf. It wasn't about the technique on the surf. It actually, that one statement um, triggered a, um, you talk about tears for the other reason, uh, a real positive moment in her life where she realized in all the areas she'd been stuck and it was time for her to fly. It was time for her to let go of that. And rather than thinking about everything that stopped her from being successful, it was a, a feeling of freedom and the opposite. And she shared that with him, which then he consequently shared that in front of 85 of my, my colleagues uh, and singled me out w- with this one statement, which I had no idea the impact that that one line had made on and had helped her. And they're the moments as a coach we live for. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a beautiful moment in time for me as a coach and, again, connecting to, um, you know, connecting to why I do what I do, why mm-hmm. I get out of bed. Uh, it was a, it was a great moment. That's brilliant. It was a, that is brilliant. A moment of appreciation. Have you got uh, something come to mind? Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually there's 
an individual in an organ client of mine um, that that's uh, over the last few years that have been um, helping their organisation uh, elevate their their capability in, in sales and service, and specifically a lot of work invested in working with frontline operational managers. It's like real coach the coach sort of stuff. Yes, and and there was there's basically my favourite. In quote, student in the in the uh, in, in and the reason she was my favourite was because she was just so proactive in taking and absorbing the knowledge, say from a training session that we did or a one-on-one coaching session, and and going and trying stuff out. Yes, and then letting me know how it went. Yes, uh, and that's rare. Mm-hmm. You know that that's rare in the, yes. in, the in the certainly in the in the business world, and. So that level of proactive, I you know, always wanted to give her more and just give her my absolute best and the extra value adds, et cetera. Anyway, we did this training session with her and a number of other managers. And the very next day, she'd had lined up as a manager. She had this very difficult formal performance counseling conversation she needed to have with a staff member. And there was going to be an HR representative present within the organization and a union representative present observing her and she'd never had that type of session before Mm. and i didn't give it give her this she said to me the five degrees of customer experience which is my model the five competencies for managing a conversation she actually proactively within her own right said to me i'm going to try this out in this session i thought okay that that could work but i'd never actually done it myself the next day, after so two days later after the training session, she posts a message to my Facebook page for my company. Oh, wow. She goes, oh, my God, can I just say that I used the five degrees, engage, discover, solution, close, and energy and style, mm. use that strategy today as an approach to a potentially, for a potentially difficult staff conversation. Yes. I had HR attending and a union staff member. I blew them out of the water with such a relaxed amiable and well-rounded meeting mm-hmm. that was both positive and productive. Oh. Using the five degrees approach really provided the framework that made the meeting easy to manage yes. and to lead to such great outcomes. Yes. Thanks, Simon. I really don't think it would have gone so smoothly without the five degrees experience. Oh. And wow, that just floored me. But specifically with that situation, this individual who had the foresight to think, you know what? Yeah, it applies for customers. What if I used it with staff conversations that I have as a manager? Yes. And between her experience and then the two of us digesting the details of what transpired within that meeting. Yes. Uh, once I, after I received this feedback and I contacted her, it was a real wake up into suddenly there was this whole new avenue of application and giving arming managers with a, a tool for the most awkward challenging situations that you can be thrown in as uh, as a manager and for her to do it and apply it and i suppose she used it as a sales sales technique in a, in a meeting she had to sell an outcome yes uh which and it needed conversation it needed buy-in from the individual mm-hmm. who was there and the individual was just thought that was the most well-handled experience she's had as a staff member with a manager so did the HR person. So did yeah. the union member who yes. see this, you know, every now and then. So yeah, it was it was 
on a number of levels it was part and just obviously the feedback itself um and the validation for for that but the fact she just bothered and i really love that proactivity when when individuals like writing the handwritten note Mm. the fact she bothered to actually go to my company's page clearly knowing the benefit that would give me to have that broadcast to my audience as opposed to even just giving that to me personally um i think that's that says a lot about her and uh and, and certainly, obviously, the impact of, of what she was able to do. So. Mm. You're listening to The Coaching Podcast, brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in call quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. Visit Five Degrees, spelled F-I-V-E, at fivedegrees.com.au to find out how you can supercharge your sales and customer service efforts. And The Coaching Podcast, also brought to you with thanks to Emma Doyle, international speaker, mentor and performance coach, specialising in communication, women in leadership and coach education for players, parents, clubs, schools and coaches right around the world. Visit emmadoyle.com.au and discover your inner coach today. And uh, his sliding doors moment is uh, around, you know, he really just talks about um, life's everyday challenges and that it teaches us that, you know, adversity is going to happen so embrace it and when you think you're going in one direction which is is pretty much the question and life throws you in another direction that that's the right direction and in trusting that process and and sometimes that's hard and then and then he you know he says i'm failing every day mm-hmm. and i thought to myself wow you know he's he's uh he's someone you know certainly um very successful and uh you know he's he's He's, he's doing great things in the world of tennis and really making a difference, impacting. And for him to actually just say those words, I'm failing every day, um, it, it, it catapulted me straight back to a story um, of, a, of a job interview that I went for. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I really, you know, it was, um, it was head coach of the VIS, you know, Victorian Institute of Sport. It was a, it was a great position and, you know, certainly this, my career was on track and I was doing so many great things. And I was, I was in Mount Gambier uh, at, a, at a tournament and uh, I had um, prepared for this interview. I'm telling you, Simon, I had prepared so well that I had uh, answered every question and I'd uh, you know, handwritten and printed and uh, I had a double bed in this hotel room and I put every answer all uh, – yeah, it, was, it was a phone interview. What, so you already had the questions they were going to ask? No, but I, I prepared in, you know, 101 yeah, questions. behavioural interviewing. Right. Yeah. So I, I had the answers all – I was ready, okay? And uh, You had examples coming out I of you. I had examples. <laughs> I had everything, right? So this is, this is a, a failure story, let me tell you. And uh, so mistake number one is um, was in the detail of time. Of course, Mount Gambia was um, uh, half an hour behind Melbourne. <gasps> You went late for the interview. So, well, you know, what they did is they did the courtesy phone call five minutes prior. So I'm at the tournament thinking I had half an hour or I think I had 35 minutes. And uh, they said, oh, you're right to go in five minutes. And, you know, my hotel was two minutes from the courts. So I was like, yeah, of course. So (laughs) boom. Don't panic. Jumped in the hire car, round the corner, right? I'm back in the hotel. No problem. Take a deep breath. I can do this. Yeah, no problem. I'm I'm ready. I'm prepared. Bang. The first question comes, coaching philosophy. And I thought to myself, oh, I have a great answer for this. I've got a great answer. It's on the bed somewhere. 
And then I went into this moment of trying to find the answer. In so your mind is where it was in the Where room. was it? Where was it on the bed? I had prepared oh, so many no. answers that I was looking for this for this oh, my answer on coaching no. philosophy. And then I was gonna, you know, verbatim kind of verbally like just read out my coaching philosophy. Mm. And uh, and it could not have gone worse. And that's every question. I tried to to answer it was it was stiff it was me I, there was no it took about energy oh, and style no. was was lost uh, and uh, one of the people on the interview panel you know who who I knew was a coach and she rang me afterwards and she said gee you know are you okay Oh, no. <laughs> you know, kind of, where were you? Like, what happened there? And uh, where's Emma? You know, I'm never, <laughs> what have you done with I will. Emma? <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget. I have, I have another story similar to that for another, for another podcast as well. Um, but you know, talk about moments of failure, complete failure, where you go, I will never do that again, never. And we, we do, and that ultimately, you know, obviously, my, my, my life did not turn left in that, in that day. I didn't get that job mm. clearly. And, um, or did it? it well, maybe it, it didn't go left, but it went get, right. Well, yeah. that's that's exactly what I think. That's I guess what 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 Alistair said. That that's what jumped out at me. Um, in that I'm failing every day, and it's in our it's in our little moments of failure. Whether it be you know when I'm impacting the three year old in my life, I have moments of failure daily mm. with you know oh. um, when I'm when I'm trying to impact him. Um, and think, oh, that was that was using sarcasm with a three-year-old Emma. So, you know, that's not really <laughs> considering. You know, as a tennis coach, I pride myself on being one of the most patient people you'll ever come across. And then I'm hearing you. <laughs> so, um, you know, so you know, that's that's what I really uh, got out of that. So, and and I love what he said that that's the failure that moves you forwards. Yeah. I will look at so much literature now around leadership and from successful people and entrepreneurs. I think probably the most common theme I I see these days in terms of the content I absorb is the concept of how critical failure is to success and you fail your way to success. Because think about that for a moment. The only way to fail, the only reason you're failing is because you're trying stuff. And you're putting yourself out there. You're acting. And we've talked about before, you know, a lot of the interviews that we've had, you know, a constant theme is, you know, execution. And by trying a lot of stuff, yeah, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but then you learn. It's about learning from it, Mm. refining your approach, trying new things until, you know, you're navigating your way through. And then sometimes far less frequently than failure you have successes yes and but yes and and that's probably true in life in everything mm. we do mm. you mentioned you know i'm a parent i've got a three-year-old yes and i've got older kids as well and uh yeah parent fails god hashtag parent fail <laughs> yes. you know the amount of scenarios that you you find yourself in where mm. you start you, you Mm, I'm starting to sound like my own mother or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I swore I'd never say yeah. that thing or do that yes. thing. And, yes. Um, that, those adult, those adult sensibilities trying to projecting yes. that onto children. And, yes. And in my case now, a teenager and mm. um, mm. one of my older kids and um, mm. yeah, the teenage brain and how that works. So anyway, that, mm. that's, that's, that's not for, <laughs> uh, well. that's not our you know, expertise. So 
Uh, well, we're learning as we go. We're yeah, learning we, as we go. We are. We are. But as coaches, you know, I think that's it is a responsibility to this. Is what this this podcast is about, you know, my experience of working with teenagers and young children, your experience working in the adult learning space. I mean, I think that's one of the, the beauties of this podcast. We, we do have all the, you know, all hitting all the different audiences um, and dealing with mm. lots of different age groups. Um, uh, what makes a great coach? Alistair's gone with understanding, uh, he said, the player, energy yes. and trust. So energy, energy. Oh, don't I just love that answer. It's, uh, it's probably one thing that um, people do comment a lot in, in my coaching style. I have an abundance of energy and, uh, and what the energy that, that you bring um, to the table, to the lesson, uh, to the meeting is, is, is really important and getting in the right headspace to be able to do that, which is something we, we've discussed previously as well, is, is critical and leading by example. Mm. Well, I think on the energy front, the you know, as a manager, as a coach, and one of the things I got told as a, an early when I became a team leader early in my career in my early twenties, uh, within a call center environment, um, and you're you're always on show. Yes, you're always on show, and as a coach or a manager, you are. You are on show. And what does that mean? Well, it means you have to perform. Yes. And there's a lot of stuff out there in leadership literature and circles around authenticity. And I think it's one of the more less understood, what does it mean to be authentic? Mm, mm. Uh, Because in reality, if you are truly yourself in every moment, what you are actually feeling and thinking was projected out you wouldn't be effective as a coach. Uh, if you're feeling like, oh, not quite, you're not quite, you don't quite have the energy that day. You wake up, you're not quite feeling it. You're thinking through of the the type of coaching that you're going to do. Oh, that's going to be these drills and even this person I need to coach. Mm. It doesn't quite trigger the energy that you think you need. So therefore, you got to fake it till you make it. you got to get yourself in the headspace. And I mean, you've already given examples of, you know, before that, dealing with stress and, and mm. being putting yourself in the zone just prior to doing the uh, executing a, a skill. Well, it's the same with coaching. When you're on show, you have to perform because you have to transfer that energy and you have to it's not about you and how you're feeling in that moment. It's mm. about your effectiveness and the value mm. you're providing to the person mm. you're coaching. Mm. So to be I think uh, yeah, authenticity means is often misconstrued. Mm-hmm. The authenticity comes from you give us, you ultimately give us stuff. Just happens to be in that moment, you're not quite feeling it. Mm. But you're there, you've showed up, you're a professional, you're committed to adding value and helping this person. Mm. You got to find a way. Yes. So, how, what, is it, what is it you need to do to trigger yes. that energy, that mental state, so you can be on and you can perform? And I think too many staff, too many managers, too many coaches in, certainly in business circles, they, they don't perform. They let too much of this is how I'm feeling come out and it yes. might not be the right emotional state yes. that's conducive to good learning, yes. development, growth, motivation, etc. So, yeah, fake it till you make it. Yeah, and I, I, I want to pick up on and explore that a little more um, just in, in what you've said because I think there's a tendency to when, when we say fake it till you make it, 
um, people often think, well, those that, that who are faking it aren't being real. No, nah, not and, at all. And, they, um, and they're being inauthentic. Nah. For me, that's not what you're saying. No, and that's absolutely not. not. And that's, um, and that's the misconstruction. Yeah. Bit. So just to be super clear for our listeners and, and the way that I interpreted what, you, what you've just said is the, the fake it part is to do with the, your state and your energy that you bring to the table. That's right. The authenticity is in you believing in your information, you walking the walk and not just saying do this, but then you don't do it yourself. And in believing that, what the environment that you're creating is going to make the players better and 100% being authentic in your message and being That's on right. purpose. And so the, the, the fake it part is, is not being inauthentic. The it's, fake it is the energy and it goes it, back the to style. We talked about the, mm. Um, mm. how your physicality yes. drives emotion. Yes. So if you're not actually feeling it, yes. one of the great techniques you can do it starts with breathing, yeah. Yes. And then and motion. And then and then motion. Mm. And you and you walk. And that's why warm up becomes so important. It's probably I don't mm. know in sports is the warm up just as important for the emotional state yes. as it is for actually warming up muscles. Hundred percent. Yeah. So it's that concept. Mm. You're not quite in the headspace you need to be that mm. you know mm. because and you want to be and that's the mm. authentic part you want to be good you want yes. to sell your message yes welcome to sales yes you're selling yourself we are constantly having to sell ourselves yes and the greatest influence on someone buying and i'm not talking about just what we automatically associate that to be being product they yes. you're selling your message you're selling yes. your idea mm. You're selling you mm-hmm. and, and that thing you're trying to impart in that individual, you, you have to sell yourself. The greatest thing for sales is the energy you bring to the table. Yes. And the style in which you deliver that message. Yes. Far yes. more than the message itself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so energy is mm. huge. And it goes back to literally, without mm. a word of a lie, it's quantum physics. Mm. Vibrating atoms. Everything yes. is co- in constant state of flux yes. movement. Yes. Everything at a molecular level, and and so that when you take that up to a macro level, us and what we physically do, that creates energy. Yes, and I think that is how you impart a message, and is yes. the essence for sales. It is the difference between just doing your job, yes, and being okay, yes, versus being better than average yes. and stimulating an emotional response, which is where you get exceptional performance yes. and, and exceptional and you, outcomes. And you bring people I, – I often find um, – say, for example, when I, when I run my girl power um, camps or my, I've got um, boy survivor camps, the energy that I, that I bring to the environment, it, it creates a flow-on effect. It's, it's momentum and, and impacting those around me where they, they, they have to come with me. Otherwise, exactly. they're going to be the odd one out um, if they don't. So, you know, that's that's uh, a technique that I, I try to, um, you know, because – and a lot of people watch me present and say, well, Emma, I could never do that. Uh, you just uh, – you've, you've Rubbish. You, uh, well, no, no, no. I mean, the thing – the important thing for me, Simon, is I don't want them to be me. I don't no. – I'm, I'm not after that. That would be inauthentic. But what are they responding to about you? Yeah, it, they, they see – That they're reacting to that I could never be They see the that. high energy – and they go, okay, that that high energy is never is never going to be me. My my, I just, and I I would say to them as a coach, no, you, you're wrong. Well, you're I've, wrong. <laughs> well, I've got a different take. My my take is, 
is is that I I I I I, I'm, I say correct. I don't want you to be me. No. What I want you to do is learn the tools of the activity that creates the energy, and then you bring that to the table with your personality, absolutely, and your style, and then. If if you do believe in in the the why behind the activity, then that's that's your own authenticity that you bring to the activity. So, I do believe in um, in helping people with their energy and how to create um, you know high frequencies and, and vibrational energy that that creates the momentum to bring the players along with you in within your own style that then has both the fake it till you make it and and them being authentic. I suppose, Emma, what I'm responding to is that I've seen so many times self-limiting psychology. Yes. People see someone like you, yeah, clearly high energy and there's a, a natural part of that. Yes. But then also things you've learned and developed to cultivate. Yeah? Exactly. To, to raise the bar or to use your energy in different ways. Yes. To suit the, the moment and the message and the... The you know up and down and to create an interest make you come off as interesting. Yes. Too many people would look at that, especially for more introverted types, where it's yes. not natural, and think I can never be that. Well, they're wrong. Yes. There is technique you can learn. Yes. And then in learning the technique, that yes. becomes actually a natural thing for you. Yes. I'm a case in point. Yeah, you are. You you t- tell us more. Well, I'm. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there has done. Um, say Myers Briggs type personality testing, yes. where you get, uh, you know, there's uh, and the first part of that is an, an evaluation on, uh, are you naturally an introvert, introvert or, or an extrovert. extrovert? Yeah. And I've been tested in my career a couple of different times, spread out over a number of years. And the very first time I got tested, I was very much on the introvert side scale. of the scale. Yep. And then the second time I was very much on the extrovert. And it shifted, shifted over. Yes. Uh, the reason for that, it just made so much sense to me because as a kid, I was a very shy kid. I was a f- fearful of public speaking. Yes. So self-conscious. Uh, very introverted. And it's only been through <laughs> coaching, yes. starting with my junior basketball days, that really started to expose me to having to be the focal point and the one that's delivering the message and in control of a group of people. And then early in my career, I started to, you know, doing that in my work in, and, and managing staff and, and then training. And uh, through all the experiences you have in the workplace of, and a manager and a strong mentor that saw the potential in me mm-hmm. and pushed me mm-hmm. to those uncomfortable environments yes, where you experience it and suddenly it's not so uncomfortable anymore once you've been there at least once. Yes. The next time just ain't so bad. Uh, I became yep. comfortable in my own skin. Yes. My own psychology shifted. Yes. And the fear factor drifted away. Yes. And so my real authentic self that was always sitting there but was latent. Yes. Was able to reveal itself. Yes. The type of things that I, when I was an introvert and as a kid, mm. I would comfortably do and express with family and people mm. I was comfortable mm. with, mm. which is the classic introvert thing. But not so much in public forums. Yes. Now that's translated. Yes. To public forums. Yeah. So. And of course, we're not um, definitely not saying by any by any means that you know ex- being extrovert is is what everyone needs. Um, not, no. At, not at all. No. No. Um, we're saying different strokes for different folks. Yes. But there, when we talk about specifically, we're talking about energy. Energy. And you have to sound number one. And here's a good example. When you talk about the work I do for helping people over the telephone. Over the phone, all you've got is your voice. 
Yes. That's your toolkit. What you say and how you say it are the only things at your Mm. disposal. Mm. And when you've lost that, what do the experts say around body language? Is it 80%, 90% of our communication is by our physicality, our body language? 55%. It's 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 that's removed. Yes. And so you're only left with the use of your voice. Yes. So the skill in using your voice mm. to create energy mm-hmm. and trigger mm. emotions mm-hmm. is the most underutilized skill in in business. Mm. But those that are great at what they do understand that. Yeah. They've figured out ways to 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 sound interesting. Yes. And over the phone, that's a great space for an introvert to play in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can create an intimacy there through the use of your voice. So energy is not being loud mm, and just correct. Bah, big, you know. Correct. But it's mm, pausing, mm, it's mm. use of silence mm. for impact, mm. uh, raising the pitch of your voice, lowering it, mm. as long as it's not monotone. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, well, Emma, um, it's a really interesting podcast that we're yeah, running here. That's right. The coaching podcast is. Yeah. Um, uh, we have an amazing audience out there yeah, that uh, really responds so tremendously well to uh, the style of delivery yeah, that thank we you use. So much for being part of our audience, <laughs> which is never going to be us, really, is it? And so, so, what we have to do, and I said this to you when we first started doing this podcast, yes, you know, you because did. my partner Jane and uh, she's our MC, MC, and uh, she comes from a radio background. You gotta. Be a more extroverted, higher energy version of yourself Yes. when all you've got is your voice. Yes, yes. And that's what radio people inherently understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, anyway, there's... Yeah, cool. It's, it's, so, there, 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 is, there are methods and there are techniques for people to get more comfortable, I suppose, in performing mm. and getting more physical and use of their voice and good breathing mm, to mm. bring the best version of their natural mm. self and i i love i love doing this podcast with you because you are so expressive with your hands if the audience <laughs> could see when he's talking he's like you know it's like a, a version of a rap song or something you know? <laughs> um he's you know you really are and and that brings the energy to your voice it does. so even though people might not be able to see the expressiveness and you know um, well i'm standing up i'm moving yeah, I'm, moving and it generates yeah, that and, it, absolutely. and the physical drives the the psychology yes and, and therefore the out the, yeah literally the yes, sound that comes yes, out yes um should we have a listen to Alistair's question sure why not and finally uh, is there a question that you love to ask of other successful people or mentors and that sometimes um, gives us content for our next episode for our for our coaching podcast um, is there something a question that you you'd like to throw back at the coaching podcast that always intrigues you when you meet um, different people from different walks of life in business or in or in coaching yes in uh, one word why why do you do what you do hmm. what is your motivation behind your why and hmm. and for me that 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 gives me the the, the greatest answer of um, it also it, it's also one of the main things of why certain people succeed and certain people fail is because they have a greater why, a greater mm. motivation mm. to why they do it. Mm. And usually that motivation is an intrinsic motivation. Mm. Uh, you know, like, like yourself, I look at you, your, your passion exudes through when you speak, when you work with players and athletes, and you can't, you can't hide that. You can't fake that. It comes mm. through. So, mm. um, you know, probably if I was to ask you that question, you'd probably say, I just love what I do. Yeah. I love, I yeah. love making people 
better. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, probably why. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. Thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Emma. So he says in one word, why? Why, why do we do what we do? And it's a very, very powerful motivation tool. And knowing the answer to that is really important. And for me, my why, what automatically came to my mind when I heard that question is because and what drives me is developing people from the inside out, not the outside in. So when I can run a, a workshop, a pre, do a presentation, uh, consult, uh, mentor and coach and that moment where I know that I've impacted well, my, my three eyes, which is inspire, improve and impact from the inside out, that's when I know I've made the biggest difference. And that is my why. That's what drives me. Love it. What about you? Uh, similar. It's what what drives me and whether I was getting paid for it or not, I just do it. And I've done it in my am- in amateur coaching let alone in, in business and the career I've, I've established. And it's basically I, when I know that individuals or teams or businesses can be far better than what they currently are and I've got the means to help them be better. And when I say that better in terms of conversation, engagement and and. and being providing better solutions to to individuals mm. and to make a difference in their lives, and I've got the means to actually impart that uh, to others and help them achieve it, uh, to realise things they never thought they could. That's that's what that's what drives me. Because mm. once you know, and we we talked about it earlier, the um, you saw you heard my response to you around uh, the belief I have in others to be far more have far more energy and far more uh, resonance than they think is possible that is possible because of their own self-limiting beliefs and when i know because i've done it mm-hmm. so many times with people who've never thought they could mm-hmm. and then they become natural and effective at just how to control a conversation and influence outcomes yes then how could i ever turn away from that yeah you can't turn that off yes once you know it so yes and feel it so whatever i need to do has to be channeled in in different ways to to for me to be working on on helping people do that Mm, mm. and you know the stronger the why um you know you, you see it in in successful people uh you know it's like they walk with purpose that they they know why they're doing what they're doing um, and it just again it comes back to what this this episode's been about authenticity, um, and that drives the trust. The other thing that uh, mm. Alistair said, the mm. trust. Mm. I think what you've what you've just said that's what creates trust in someone. Yes, in their coach. Yes, because if you're got that authentic drive, that energy and assurance yes. that that brings. Yes confidence yes that makes people feel so comfortable that they're in good hands mm-hmm. and the trust then flows from that mm-hmm. and that's the key to sales you know yeah. we talk about selling yourself mm-hmm. selling your message if they don't trust you they don't buy from you yes and if they trust you then they'll they're open to the, the message yes and, and assistance you're there to provide yes and you, you could only trust yourself if you know you, you know your why so that's right what a, what a great episode everything's been so connected yeah, circular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Thanks, Simon, and That's thank great. you, Alistair. Yeah, thanks, Alistair. That was terrific. 
A big thank you to Alastair McCaw, our featured guest in this episode of The Coaching Podcast. Alastair is an internationally recognized leader in the field of athlete performance enhancement. His method of training, the McCaw Method, has set the standard for providing world-class athletes and coaches with cutting-edge training techniques and strategies. And Alastair has just released his new book, Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach. If you're a coach who strives to be the best you can be, then this is a must-read. It includes stories and examples from his journey in coaching to what he's learned from some of the best coaches in the business. You can purchase the book and find out more about Alastair's services through his website, themacawmethod.com. If you're a fan of The Coaching Podcast, then we ask you to go to iTunes to the show page and please leave your rating and review. It's the quickest way to help us get greater visibility and increase our audience. The Coaching Podcast is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. And thanks to emmadoyle.com.au, speaker, mentor and performance coach. My name's Jane Yield, producer for The Coaching Podcast. Thanks for listening.